Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition for the last 30 years. It's Rosie on the House. On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, you are tuned in to Rosie on the House. And today was just a day destined for Route 66. Yes, sir. <laughs> on beautiful days like this, you want to put the top down and hit the mother road, Route 66 through Arizona. And we've got a special guest joining us on the line that will be talking about some restoration work they're doing on Route 66. But it's not just Rosie on the House today. Did you see... In the Arizona Republic, the Explore Arizona, the Wigwam Hotel on Route 66, talking about interesting places to stay, six unique uh, lodging locations. Five out of the six are on Route 66. Uh-huh. The only one that wasn't was at a Bisbee, the the OK Street Jail Inn. Have you ever? No, I've never heard of that. Treat yourself to a night in the uh, sane asylum. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll brighten your day on uh, a road trip on Route 66. <laughs> Wow. Good timing, though. It, it's incredible timing. And online we have from Holbrook this morning, Roman Rich, who is an interesting story in and of itself. Grew up in a place in Missouri where you have Lewis and Clark Expedition. You've got Daniel Boone. You've got the Oregon Trail, the start of all these incredible adventure stories in American history. Growing up in an area like that, it very easily to see how you become Roman rich. You just grew up in a in an area filled with this wonderlust of American adventure. And he's took time out of his day to join us to talk about Route 66, Roman Rich. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Calling in from where this morning? I'm in Holbrook, Arizona. And we'll get to why you're there and what you're doing a little later in the program. But as we started putting this interview together, you know, we need to back up and tell the story about Route 66. There was a lot just in our general conversation I didn't even realize about the history and the development and that it wasn't really ever built. It was designated. And at the time it was designated, a lot of it was still unpaved. You still had trails. So just take us through, you know, we're eight years away from the 100th anniversary of Route 66. Take us through the first 92 years. <laughs> Well, back in 1926, there was a need to number highways. We had all these different pathways that were sponsored by corporations such as Firestone and BF Goodrich, and you had the Nat National Trails Association that was also marking out pathways and roads and highways. Um, but the federal government stepped in and said, wow, there's a big increase in the amount of uh, automobile traffic these days. We need to organize this, and that's where they came up with the number system, um, odd numbers being north-south and even numbers being east-west. And Route 66 originally was supposed to be designated Route 60, um, but then I think the governor in Virginia threw a big fit over that because uh, your more prominent numbers were, you know, even, like 6-0 would be a more prominent number over, um, say, a uh, 6-4. And... Uh, he threw a big fit over it because uh, it, uh, Route, 60, uh, Route 60 from Chicago to Los Angeles was not a true 
Transcontinental Highway. And so Cyrus Avery and uh, John Woodruff came up with the idea of uh, calling it Route 66 because it just had a really nice ring to it. Um, from that point on, it was known as Route 66, and the roads and highways that were designated were mere Indian paths, um, tribal paths, uh, military roads, wire roads, which is referring to uh, roads that parallel telegraph lines. Uh, all these pre-existing roads, uh, farm-to-market roads, uh, they were already there in place. And some of them had already been uh, improved to some extent, but the majority uh, were still dirt and gravel. In fact, all of Route 66 uh, took about 12 years for the entire route to be paved. And in that 12 years, there was a lot of realigning and uh, redesignating of different pathways and stuff like that. Illinois was the first one to have their complete road paved, and I believe that happened in early 1928. Missouri followed suit, uh, as did Kansas, and then the rest kind of followed in line. Well, Kansas is cheating. They only have 13 miles of the route. I mean, they should have been done first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they have a, a great 13 miles. I, I, you know, Some people try to skip that, but you could spend an entire day or two in Kansas easily. On that 13-mile stretch? Yeah, there's plenty to see and do. Well, talk through some of the myths about Route 66 that uh, we want to establish before we get to you know, what, what you're doing in Holbrook today. Well, some of the myths would be you know, Route 66 was just one road. Uh, a lot of people that are new to exploring Route 66 or thinking about touring Route 66 get confused very easily because they think it was just one road. Well, just as our highways improve and, and get changed and widened, some cases totally realigned and, and just moved, the same was true for Route 66 because you have to think about it. All these people were driving this highway. Uh, it was very small. Uh, it was very congested. And a lot of times people uh, found it to be a safety hazard to have this highway running down through the middle of their main street of, of downtown. So uh, very quickly they started changing the road. Uh, and, and some of the pathways were treacherous. For instance, La Bajada in New Mexico, that was a, actually a path or a trail that had been uh, used since the conquistadors were uh, roaming around the, uh, the North American landscape. And uh, that's the one that you see typically with all the switchbacks that are going down the hill, this cliffside, so to speak. But uh, those, those uh, safety hazards and areas of congestion, they were, they were eliminated first and gone around. So that was, that's the biggest myth right there. And, and uh, there's a lot of other myths, too, particularly to Arizona. You hear some, some rumors that uh, Arizona has the only 90-degree turn. In, uh, on Route 66, that's not true. There's plenty in, in uh, Illinois and, and Missouri and especially Oklahoma, too. Uh, and then another one I like to hear is um, Arizona has the, the most drivable or, uh, I guess, uninterrupted drive of Route 66. Um, that could be true for certain segments, especially if you're going from Seligman up to Oatman. Uh, but as far as the total route goes, Arizona's fairly chopped up. You have to use, uh, rely on the Interstate 40 quite a bit to get through uh, Route 66. 
However, in Illinois, you can pretty well drive the entire route, almost, uh, I'd say, 90% of it without uh, having to rely on the interstate. Mm-hmm. And now, as far as, didn't you say uh, in Illinois they have a brick section that is still uh, active and you can drive on it? Yeah, Auburn, Illinois has a pristinely preserved section of Route 66 that was paved in brick pavers. And I believe that's around five or six miles long, and it's in beautiful shape. The state and the county maintain it uh, as it was back in the 30s. Uh, however, there were a lot more uh, states and cities and counties that also uh, adopted that uh, method of paving with brick pavers. Oklahoma City had a lot of brick pavers uh, for their sections of Route 66. In fact, uh, about uh, six months ago, they were doing some road work down in Oklahoma City, and they unearthed the section of pavers uh, that was Route 66, and they were giving those away as souvenirs to people. <laughs> Through Arizona, we've got four main uh, towns that still have a Route 66, all still having some sort of wanderlust to Route 66. If you've ever been to Williams, uh, Flagstaff, Seligman, Willow, uh, Winslow, all of them have downtown still centered on Route 66. Take Oatman, us- too. Let's throw them in there. Oatman. You get, you get your mule-proof shoes on, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Take us through these attractions that are still in the state that we can go enjoy and kind of step back in time and, you know, have a have an old-fashioned cheeseburger and milkshake. Well, Flagstaff is one of my favorite towns. I've often told people if I could move anywhere, Flagstaff would be it because they, they have trees. <laughs> and uh, that's something I really love being from Missouri is trees. But uh, they've got a lot of great things that are, that are popping up. Uh, uh, as far as nostalgia goes, I think Williams is probably uh, a, a big one. They've got a lot of nostalgic uh, little food shops and cafes and motels. Uh, Seligman, however, is also uh, extremely nostalgic. You got the snow cap, you got Angel Delcadillo's barber shop, which is uh, credited to being, you know, Angel was the uh, godfather or grandfather of Route 66. He is the one that spearheaded the renaissance of Route 66 back in the 80s when they were bypassed. Um, Oatman, of course, you've got the mules, you've got the old mining town. It's very, very heavily centered around tourism. In fact, the place wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for the mules and the rest of the tourism. The gun, They had the gunslinger uh, battles out in the middle of the street and, and all that cool old stuff. Um, and Winslow, if you've never heard of Oatman... Of course, you have the, the trademark standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, oh, yeah. uh, with a statue of, I believe, this Jackson Brown possibly standing there on the corner, and you had the flatbed Ford sitting over on the side with the girl uh, painted on the mural. Uh, and Rich... A lot of great stuff. And then it's, uh, one thing more about uh, <laughs> Winslow is you have La Posada, which is a great old example of a Harvey house. And Rich, there's also a statue of Glenn Fry who co-wrote the song on the other side of that corner too. I don't know if you've been down there. That's recently. right. That's a new addition as of I think what two years ago. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, s- slowing down a little bit, if you've not traveled Arizona, we've jumped from one side of the state to the next on what's today Interstate 40. But uh, let's let's start left to right real quick. We you had mentioned. Well, you know what? Let's go. Let's go east to west. So. We'll stop. You had mentioned Winslow. Uh, 
We know that one. It's, what, what is that, about 70 minutes from Flagstaff on, on 40? Sounds about right. Uh, yeah, I would imagine. About, that's about right. So you've got standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona on Route 66. When you go through Flagstaff, it's the downtown Hotel Monte Vista, which is one of the featured places on where to stay in today's Explore Arizona edition of the Arizona Republic. And that Hotel Monte Vista, it's actually the scene of uh, Casablanca. Some scenes were shot at that hotel. If you like old movies, you get to go see where that scene was shot. You've mentioned Williams. You mentioned Seligman. Uh, we're just continuing east to west. Williams is about, oh, uh, I should know this. I'm, I do this, let's see, from Ash Fork to Williams, Williams. Da, 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 da. You're at about 45 minutes now west of Flagstaff and Williams. Seligman and Oatman are the two that I wanted to make sure we hit because most people can immediately place every place we've talked to, Winslow, Flagstaff, Williams. But Seligman and Oatman, let's, how do we get first to Seligman? Well, Seligman is just west of uh, Williams, probably about another hour or so. Um, you're also passed through Ash Fork, which is another big, used to be a really big town on uh, Route 66, so big that it had uh, one-way traffic through its town, uh, you know, had its own individual eastbound and westbound lanes. And it still but, does uh, if you go through the town of Ash Fork, split uh, with a little, there is Main Street still gets split right in the middle. That's the truth, yes, that's a fact. So, yeah, Seligman is just a, 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 a jump, skip, and a leap away from Ash Fork. Uh, it's just off of Interstate 40, kind of sits there just to the north of Interstate 40. But from there, now you hit probably the longest stretches of uninterrupted Route 66. And you know what? We'll, uh, we'll have to uh, – Gary just pointed out we're two minutes over our break, so we'll finish that Oatman and then round it back What what we're doing today on Route 66 with Roman Rich. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks. On Route 66. Route 66 has its own hit record. It was written by Bobby Troop, who was a songwriter and also World War II vet. He and his wife were traveling to Los Angeles, and he perfectly describes what the trip was like. He uh, later got introduced to Nat King Cole, and the rest is history. And we're traveling along Route 66. We started on the east side of Arizona. We made our way through Winslow and Flagstaff and Williams and Seligman. And here's where the long stretch of 66 comes in. And we're going to circle around Peach Springs. And I'm not saying one way or the other if I believe it, but there's been known Mater sightings in that area. And we continue down through Kingman. And this is where we get into Oatman, that people have lived in Arizona their whole life and still haven't heard of Oatman. That's amazing. T take us into Oatman, Rich. W what do you find? It's a long drive, flat, 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 yeah. then all of a sudden you start coming into these mountains, you're twisting, you're turning, you come around a bend, and suddenly... Oatman. Yeah, it's a pretty long drive out of Kingman, and, and going through Sick Greaves Pass is probably one of the most enjoyable drives that uh, any tourist or local could find 
throughout the western part of Arizona as you go into Oatman, you just like you said, you go through all these uh, hairpin turns and switchbacks, and uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, don't try to do it in anything more than 40 feet long, though, because you won't make it. Uh, it's also against the law to try it. So, uh, but yeah, as you come into Oatman, uh, you see an old mining town, and and you'll see lots of mules and burros running around and uh, basically panhandling for carrots. Um, and uh, you'll see gunslingers shooting it out in the street and, and you know, old mock-up uh, of Western style. And uh, you see a lot of old shops and bars and little cafes. It's just a pretty cool little tourist hotspot. And the, like Tombstone. And the legend to the mules is it's such a remote location, and at the time it was being mined, they were using mules to do the majority of the work, not relying on trucks or, you know, the newer types of machines that we got through the Industrial Revolution. They were still using mules, and when they abandoned it, they just left the mules, and all these years later— They're the ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> They've been there ever since. That's right, and they just—they're just the— Basically, they are the locals. They are the residents of Oatman, are the mules, and it seems like they're never going away. And uh, the, the humans that are locals there, they, they watch after them, and, and they protect them. And uh, you'll see, if you do go there, you see a tag on a mule that says, don't feed me. That's because that's a young mule, and they don't want it eating uh, a, a diet of carrots. It has its own diet that it's supposed to adhere to. So uh, you may want to respect that. But the, the adult mules you can feed, and they'll gladly uh, take any offering that you give them. <laughs> All right, so bring us, bring us back now to the east side of Arizona, back in Holbrook. What brings you from Missouri out to Holbrook, Arizona, on Route 66 on a beautiful Saturday morning? Gary's killing me on the time here. We're going to have to... I asked you that question. We're going to have to get it after the break. We're joined with Roman Rich. You can visit his website, maybe get a little bit of preview hooked on Route66.com on where this interview is going. Oh, so pretty ought to see Amarillo, Gallup, New Mexico, Flagstaff, Arizona. Don't forget Winona, Kingman, Boston, San Bernardino. Get your kicks on Route 66. Preserving a little bit of Arizona history on Route 66 here with Rosie on the house. You know, it's it's a shame that it's not what it was once. And I don't think, I know that they like to point at the interstate system. I think more than that, it's the fuel efficiency of our vehicles. If you've ever tried to drive across country in a 70s vehicle, that gets about seven miles to the gallon and you have to stop every 120 miles for gas, you get the reason there used to be so many stops. You know, my F-150 that's got over 250,000 miles on it, it's an 08. I still, when I fill it up, have 400 miles to the tank I can get on that. And it there just wasn't the need for stopping. It was the efficiency of our vehicles that made the change i don't think it was as much to do with the interstate system but we're gonna pull off outside of holbrook today 
and pull into where, Roman Rich? Where are you taking us? We're going to pull into in between chambers uh, in the Petrified Forest National Park. That's where the Painted Desert Trading Post uh, is sitting right now, dormant for the last 50, 60 years and abandoned. It's been sitting out there on a section of old abandoned Route 66 that's just north of Interstate 40, probably about a mile north. And that's what brings me to Holbrook, Arizona, is myself, uh, along with nine other Route 66 enthusiasts, formed a co-op, and we purchased this property out in desert ranch land uh, in Chambers. And there's that old painted desert trading post out there in which we are trying to preserve and do somewhat of a light restoration on it to keep it alive for generations of Route 66 enthusiasts. Take us through the history of the Painted Desert Trading Post. Painted Desert Trading Post was established by a man named Dotch Windsor back in the 1940s, just after World War II. And uh, basically, he set up shop and started business right there on the highway. If you can imagine or try to relate today, it'd be like putting a uh, a store right on the interstate today because that's where all traffic was funneled through. It was just on the eastern doorstep of the Petrified Forest National Park, and he lived there and he operated there selling trinkets, curios, jewelry, uh, blankets, pottery, uh, anything you can think of that uh, the tourists may want. And this guy was ahead of his time. We look at uh in the middle of nowhere, there wasn't power run out there. He had to become his own power generator. He had to become his own retailer. He had to be, uh, even one time, an uh, aviator flu- fuel concoction <laughs> chemist. Yeah, that's a cute story, uh, as, uh, as his wife would tell uh, in a later interview about uh, an aviator that was waggling his wings uh, Joy Nevin, that was his wife, she had trained in World War II to be a pilot, so she understood a lot of the aviator's communication. She managed to stop traffic on Route 66, allow this uh, pilot to land, and they mixed up some formula or concoction of fuel to get him up and going again. And he, there's a video of this on YouTube on my channel, uh, Hooked on Route 66, that shows him taking off from the trading post in an airplane uh, using Route 66 as a launching pad, so to speak. Um, but yeah, he was ahead of his time. Dodge Windsor managed to create electricity from a wind generator. Uh, he also uh, pulled water from a well, and uh, they they had everything there that you find today. They had uh, gasoline and, and food and drinks and uh, all sorts of great stuff that uh, tourists and travelers needed back then as we need today. And the gasoline he had was for vehicles. Talk about what he had to do to help get this airplane back on in the air. Oh, they mixed up uh, a concoction of high test uh, ethanol and uh, some Blazo uh, to come up with some sort of uh, fuel that would get him up and going again. And, and as Joy Nevin tells it, uh, she got a postcard later from that pilot uh, stating that he made it back home just fine. I don't know about you. I don't think I'd take off in the 1950s in an airplane with some experimental fuel. I don't care where I had to get, how fast I had to get there. You're on Route 66. I think I'd have just stuck my thumb out and gone to the next, you know, get me into Flagstaff. I'll get a container of gas and thumb my way back. 
<laughs> well, you didn't uh, you didn't have the knowledge that we have today. So I, I think uh, uh, there was a better pioneering spirit back then, and they just said, "Oh, we'll just leave it." We'll up see to how it. far it yeah. goes. <laughs> and it yeah. worked. You know, I I don't know many pilots that would maybe land, have an emergency landing, and pull into a, an Exxon mobile station and go, "Well, let's give this a try." You know. <laughs> Like you said, that old yeah. pioneering spirit. Well, what's your intent with the restoration? Are you visioning that this trading post reopens one day? Is it in a tourist attraction? What's what's you, know, you mentioned preserving it for the next generation, but what are they going to come see when they stop there when you all are done with your work? So the building has been under a barrage of elements that have really dilapidated it. Uh, cows, cattle have infiltrated it and uh, damaged a lot of the walls. Uh, it's got a cement stucco facade that has gotten some damage that uh, we're looking to try to uh, redo some of that stucco to get that back up to where it was in, in its former glory. Um, we had to raise walls as much as 13 inches. Uh, some of the corners had slumped down off of its foundation. But uh, our, our overall goal is, is not to reopen it because, again, it's in a remote area. There's still no power or electricity or anything out there. Um, but we want to preserve it for people and tourists to come out and observe and look at so they can see what an honest-to-God trading post looked like back during the uh, 40s and 50s up until the early 60s when that section of road was bypassed. It's just going to be a tourist attraction. And what work are you all planning to get done today? So today we're putting a fence around it to protect it from the cattle. Um, it's, it's on a free range out there, so we have to fence the cattle out. Um, but uh, to date, and over the last four or five days, we've raised up two corners of the building, and we've gotten the plane, uh, the plane of the building restored to some uh, satisfactory level. Uh, but our next phase of work would be uh, we're going to raise the entire building up, reestablish sill plates, and we're up a sister in New Joyce, uh, and do a lot of work, put a new roof on it, uh, and then finally, we have to install a completely new concrete foundation around the perimeter of the building because it is completely fallen away. It's the one thing uh, Dotch did that uh, probably uh, shortened the life of that building was the foundation consisted of about an eight by six curb. And that's what the whole building sat on. And with wind erosion and the cattle roaming around the exterior of the building, it's eroded away and the whole building is slumped over. And somebody listening today, you all have put together a great fundraiser to help support these the, the effort and the restoration of this and have brought back an old-style T-shirt that of what the trading post looked like 60 years ago. That's correct. It's, uh, you can find that by uh, searching for Painted Desert Trading Post at customink.com. There's about... Uh, a week and a half left in that campaign, you get yourself a special T-shirt that commemorates what the building looked like. And we'll post that link at Rosie on the House because there are two. There's one on your website, Hooked on Route 66, uh, but we'll post a direct one as well because you've got so much on that website that it can be a little hard to dive into it. You've got all kinds of, you know, this isn't the only project on Route 66 y'all are working to restore. This is just the only one that happens to be in Arizona. That's correct. And we are so irrationally passionate about the road that only one of the members of this co-op that we created is an Arizona 
resident. Everybody else is from out of state. In fact, we've had donations come in as far as Australia and the Netherlands. Uh, people love this place all around the world. Get your kicks on Route 66. Hooked on Route66.com is the website. We're talking with Roman Rich. And what, uh, what, what is your other project? You'd mentioned uh, we were other parts of the state. Some of the other iconic locations that y'all are trying to preserve in Arizona, or just across the entire uh, Route 66. Oh. Yeah, right now we've got a couple other projects. There's a bridge in Missouri, an old uh, steel truss bridge with uh, three different styles of trusses for those who are into architecture. Uh, that's been uh, closed down since 2014, and we're looking to take that off the state's inventory in Missouri. Uh, it's an old 1923 bridge. In fact, it predates Route 66 uh, by three years, and uh, we're hoping to have that saved. Another project that we're working on in Missouri is John's Modern Cabins, which was these little cedar log cabins situated right along the side of Route 66. Uh, and there is only one left. And of that one remaining, only about three quarters of the structure is intact. And right now we've got some very crude bracing in place to keep that thing from falling down. And uh, later on in 2019, we're going to try to piece back in some of those cedar logs uh, to, to keep that building looking as it did in the period in which it was used, which is 40s to the 60s. And all your travel on Route 66, if you go back to one place to take a picture with the family, what stop would that be? Uh, probably the most popular is the midpoint, uh, and that's in Texas, uh, Adrian, Texas, and that is considered to be the spiritual midpoint of Route 66 where everybody stops, gets a piece of pie, takes their photo on the uh, midpoint line, and then they continue east or west, depending on they're leaving Chicago or Los Angeles. Yeah, the midpoint is really, it's this white line in the middle of the road with a marker, and folks are taking pictures once they get there, just like they do at Standing on the Corner. It's that kind of iconic part of Route 66. But, Rich, there was one thing, uh, you know, with the preservation and, bringing attention to Route 66. There is a very good reason and valid reason you're doing this, and I, I don't think it has been made public, but it could be a huge boon for tourism because you mentioned folks were donating from Australia. That Route 66, there's a, a bill in Congress right now to designate Route 66 as a National Historic Trail. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means? Sure, yeah. So right now, the National Park Service has a, a big hand in uh, trying to keep Route 66 alive, and they actually delve out grant money towards uh, different businesses and, and other uh, opportunities to preserve sections of Route 66. That, that current program is about 20 years old, and it's set to sunset in 2019. So this bill that's come through the House um, – basically renews that and makes it a permanent uh, fund for Route 66 in which the National Park Service will be a partner of. Uh, so basically what that does is establishes a budget or earmark of, of money uh, that can be given out to different recipients across Route 66, not just Arizona, all eight states. And uh, if you qualify for the grant, it's usually a cost-matching grant. In fact, we are using that program right now for the petrified forest, uh, sorry, the painted desert 
uh, trading post that we talked about earlier, we, we received a cost matching grant to help restore that building. So yeah, that's what it is. And it's going to basically uh, keep these business businesses and these business owners uh, moving along and uh, working on these old structures, like these old motels that were just kind of haphazardly pieced together, or these old cafes and restaurants. They need a lot of work and a lot of maintenance. So the National Park Service is there to help um, foster that growth and, and keep Route 66 alive for future travelers and generations because 80% of our tourists come from abroad. They come from Italy and Spain, China, all over the world to come see Route 66. And where else are you supposed to get your kicks? If it's not on Route 66, Gary, where else could we get our kicks? Well, it winds from Chicago to L.A. I don't think I-10 has a song about it. No, it doesn't. It runs east to west, too. Yeah. Maybe it's in the the rhyming of the lyric, you know, I-10. Whatever it is, they did it right, and Route 66 uh, here in Arizona, we get to... Uh, to be part of that historic road, and uh, Roman Rich is out there trying to preserve the old Painted Desert Trading Post. You can help his cause by ordering a T-shirt. We posted the link on our archive page at rosieonthehouse.com and the uh, radio link. You just pick, select today's broadcast, and you'll see the link right there. I've got my uh, Christmas shopping out of the way for a couple family members that enjoy uh, Route 66 and a little bit of old historic Arizona. Uh Roman Rich, take the last couple seconds just to wrap up here and uh, give your website one more time and uh, how people could get out and see this, pa uh, the Painted Desert Trading Post. How do you physically get there? Because I'm looking on Google Earth. It's not that obvious. <laughs> it's No, it's not that obvious. And it's kind of a good thing because we don't want uh, just anybody coming out there we want enthusiasts and people that are intrigued by route 66 but easily getting there to get there you take exit 320 off of interstate 40 that is the pinta road exit and you go north on the little dirt road until you're greeted by a fence uh, you're going to see a gate at that point uh, you have to follow the instructions on the gate to gain access and uh, from there you drive about four miles to the west as you come down the, the hill heading down toward the uh, Dead River, you'll see the Painted Desert Trading Post along with a beautiful mesa uh, off to the south of the road. And this dirt road, do I need four-wheel drive or can I make it in a two-wheel drive car? You could you can make it in any vehicle provided it's dry outside. I know you guys just had a lot of rain here, but uh, today... Uh, we're driving out there. The road is dusty. You can drive a motorcycle, a car, anything you want out there. Okay. Well, we appreciate it. And the website to follow along, not only with this project and rest restoration, but all the other projects y'all are doing along Route 66? Yes, that's www.hookedonroute66.com. And you can also find us on Facebook at the Painted Desert Trading Post Route 66. 
Roman Rich, we appreciate you taking time out of your restoration work to join us and help educating Arizona homeowners about the work y'all are doing to preserve a little bit of uh, history here in our great state of Arizona. If Route 66 isn't on your destination for this weekend, uh, there's a lot of great things still going on around the state. Southern Arizona has the Arizona Farm and Food Festival going on to the west of Tucson today at 1130 to 3. Uh, out at a great venue. It's it's a fairly new one, but it's the AVA Amphitheater at Casino del Sol. They did a fabulous job putting together a nice lawn amphitheater with a covering, and they have the Southern Arizona Arts and Coal and Cultural Alliance is putting on the Farm and Food Festival. If you're looking for a staycation coming up in the future, we have the first Saturday of December coming up, which is the kickoff to basically Christmas in Arizona at the city of Prescott, town of Prescott, and technically city because of the population, but you know, they still like to call it a town. The town of Prescott at the Courthouse Square, you have an entire weekend of festival. It all starts Saturday. We have a broadcast of this program live at the Courthouse Square. It's a tradition we started about 10 years ago, not even trying to make it a tradition. It just became part of uh, our annual to-dos. is broadcast live first Saturday of the month. They have been wrapping. The Courthouse Square has 180 trees on it, and they wrap, they're up to about 130 that they wrap every single year. They have a great parade uh, throughout the morning, and then at night you get together on the Courthouse Square. They do the Christmas story. They sing carols. They do a countdown and light up the Courthouse Square, and it really just... For people that grew up in the desert, that don't have snow, don't have changing of the fall, don't have you know all of these things that you see in movies, it's snow and caroling that we can't relate to. This kind of connects you to that and that wonderlust of Christmas, so it's a great family event. And that is where we're sending our December staycation winner. We draw on the 15th, so there's five more days to enter. You go to rosieonthehouse.com, click staycation, and we'll be pulling a winner on the 15th.